Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. It's Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. You're listening to Smart to Death Radio. Hey everybody, it's the interview queen, Alicia Toot here, and you are currently listening to and obviously enjoying Queen's Court. Alright everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Queen's Chord with your girl, the Queen of N.E., right here on Smart to Death Radio. And y'all, this one has been in the works for a while, since like May, and I'm really excited about it. I'm so honored that these gentlemen are here. It's a little New England love, it's a little meat love of that grill. Things are going to get hot and flaming as my favorite meat boys are in the house with all of their magical creations and awesome insight. I have Sullen Murph. Meat boys, you're in the castle. Hello. All hail the queen. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. I'm so pumped that you guys are here to talk some SummerSlam with me. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it obviously broke our hearts when uh, the Rona stole SummerSlam from the TD Garden. So, you know, I figured getting into the court is is the closest that we'd be to greatness. Well, I mean, I don't disagree. But also very sad because, yes, we were supposed to be at the Garden watching this awesome show, and I'm super sad about it. But while it wasn't in the Garden, it was in the Thunderdome. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) I hear the laughs already. Good. I can't wait to ask you all about it. But first, we have to talk about, of course, your Twitter, Meats and Tweets. Some delicious food was presented for SummerSlam. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously we weren't having the uh, the dogs in the garden, so we had to go out strong. Put together uh, some bourbon tips, some, uh, some teriyaki turkey tips, of course, the grilled veggies. Uh, shout out to the Irish Whip. We are not changing our name to Veggies and Tweets. We just, <laughs> we just have to have a well-balanced plate or else our moms would yell at us. True. Uh, but No, it ended, up, it ended up coming together even though we were in the middle of that torrential downpour. The grill was still going strong. And uh, yeah, when all was said and done, filled up on a couple of pounds of tasty meat. Oh, I love seeing what y'all put together for every show. It's always exciting, and it makes me really hungry. (laughs) And then I get sad because my food doesn't look nearly as good. (laughs) But it's one of the main reasons I follow y'all, because also you're nice. But uh, I love all the food that you guys present. So when it comes to SummerSlam, you went all out. It's super fun. Let's talk about your overall thoughts on the show itself. 
because for me personally, I wasn't really too sure about this pay-per-view. Going into it, I looked at the card and I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> some of this could be good. Some of this could be kind of weird. I'm not really sure how I feel about it. And I actually was pleasantly surprised. So I'm dying to know your overall thoughts of the show itself. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't agree more with you on that one. Coming into this, uh, looking at the lineup for SummerSlam, I think there were seven or eight matches, which, you know, it doesn't scream big card feel in any kind of way. Uh, there were a lot of, you know, title matches, but then you look at one of the matches is a very unproven Dominic Mysterio, where that match could have gone anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville rivalry that, I mean, that could end up on the pre-show. I thought it was one of the better feuds coming into SummerSlam. But, um, you know, for a lot of people, they might just skip over that type of match. But honestly, by the end of it, I was pretty impressed by almost every single match. And, like, especially that... Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose match. Uh, Dominic Mysterio blew me away, to be honest. And, uh, Shocking, yeah. And the, the ending was, I mean, we can get into that after. That was something else. That was that really made me a little upset that we weren't there at the Garden to see that. Because <laughs> I that, mean, can you imagine the that pop? Have, the oh. pop that Roman has, has deserved his entire career. I feel like we've been waiting on that, huh? <laughs> yeah, oh, 100%. And then it happens in the Thunderdome. So I heard the giggles before. Tell me, what do we think about the Thunderdome aesthetic? I mean, it's one of those things coming in where it's like it it's hard to not think it's cheesy. Like even watching these NBA playoffs now, they have the virtual fans in the crowd and it yeah. like it just feels kind of silly, but at least it gives some kind of atmosphere. Whereas I feel like it's better than, you know, the fake wrestlers in the crowd who are pretending to be audience members or whatever chanting, this actually gives some kind of atmosphere to the event. And all in all, I actually liked it. Yeah, I feel like aesthetically, when you look at the dome itself, like the actual LEDs and the lights and the way that it's set up, I think is really stunning, especially when all the lights come on, like the Fiend's entrance, which we'll talk about later, was so magical in that Thunderdome, and it was even more intense and scary. It's just kind of strange sometimes when you look in the crowd. It looks like a giant game of Guess Who. You remember that as kids, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, guess Who? Uh, you know, but I agree with you. I think while I give a lot of props to those NXT and PC performers for standing for all those hours and cheering for all those matches or booing or slamming the, <laughs> the uh, plexiglass, um, <laughs> no offense to them. I give them a lot of credit because that's a lot of work to do. But I think it gives a different feel and a vibe. And I think by the end of it, I didn't really so much like it on SmackDown, but I liked it a lot for this show. It kind of gave that what you were talking about before with the card, maybe that lack of that big fight feel. It felt more important because of the setup, I think. So at least we had that. It was something new and exciting and different. And I feel like they got the volume correct this time, but I digress. <laughs> That's another issue. Before we jump off it, I have to uh, air out my grievances with Big Daddy Vince. I got into the the Thunderdome registration. You know, I got my individual link. I had my call time of 9 p.m. I was set up, ready to go. And then all of a sudden I click in and it tells me they're already at capacity. So, Vince, you got to make it up to me. I'll I'll be in the Thunderdome for payback, wherever you want. But I just wanted to get in and sit next to my boy Pikachu and Baby Yoda. Listen, the fact that Pikachu was front and center made my night. <laughs> it was really exciting. And I don't blame you. Vince, give him some justice. 
Yeah. Also, payback is in a week. That's weird. It's very, very weird. I don't know about that. But anyway, I digress. So we'll get you some justice at payback. But as we roll into the SummerSlam show, don't really want to talk about the pre-show too much, but we do have to give a, a nice shout-out to our girl, Renee Young, as her her final, her, her last hurrah, as she said. Uh, that was her final WWE show, and uh, she's out. Weird Renee's leaving, but also she's been there for eight years, and that's a long time in the wrestling business. Yeah, I was, um, you know, when I was reading that today, that, you know, her post on Instagram that this November would have been eight years, and... Of course, you know, in this Internet age, you can get up and look at her whole career. You know, that was basically her first real job, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. and she, you know, cut her teeth getting right into I think her I think she came in in um, October 2012 and she was right on the uh, Survivor Series kickoff show by November. So she was uh, she's a hot ticket and uh, they'll definitely miss her. She was a trailblazer for a lot of the women that you see on TV today and um, you know, obviously uh, getting the chance to, to be on commentary and killing it there and, and dominate and talking smack. I mean, she will be sorely missed. Yeah, I'm a little sad that she's leaving, but also it's going to be cool to see who kind of steps in uh, to this very vacant and, and large shoes that Renee's leaving behind. But she's definitely a hot commodity, and I'm excited for whatever it is she does next. And I thought her post was really heartfelt. So, Big thank you to Renee Young. I thought it was a, a really nice uh, thing that they did for her on the kickoff show and, and all over Twitter. They did an appreciation thing for her, and I thought that was very nice. Uh, there was a match with Apollo Crews and MVP. Blech, whatever. <laughs> Apollo won. That's how I feel about MVP. Just an FYI, in case you didn't know. Now you know. <laughs> but that's that business. So I'm, I'm hoping we're done with that and they can go like on Raw Underground or something. But let's talk about the actual meat of the card. (laughs) The three hours and five minutes. Okay, so real quick. I'm loving the silver lining of this COVID era are these short freaking pay-per-views. It's the best ever. Completely agree. Like how late have we stayed up all the time? And especially our poor friends in the UK all the time for these like five to seven hour shows. Oh, this three hour thing. It's a gem. But we had a we had a packed card, lots of stuff going on. We had Bailey versus Asuka for the SmackDown Women's Championship, with the Street Profits versus Andrade and Garza, with Zelina of course for the Raw Tag Team Championships, Mandy versus Sonya, and what was supposed to be hair versus hair but turned into a no DQ loser leaves WWE. We had Seth Rollins with, of course, Buddy Murphy, which I will always call him Buddy Murphy, sorry, <laughs> and uh, Dominic Mysterio with, of course, his dad Ray. Asuka versus Sasha for the Raw Women's Championship, Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship, and of course The Fiend, Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman for uh, the Universal Championship and a false count anywhere. So that's a lot of championships and a lot of things going on, and really only two that were non-title matches. So this was a lot going on here, but the first match to open up the show, which I thought was really smart, was Bailey versus Asuka and of course Bailey came out with Sasha because what else would would they do they're they're a team and this was for the Smackdown Women's Championship now what I think is really cool about this match you guys is you can tell the chemistry that Bailey and Asuka have they've had it since NXT it's apparent now they're just older and a little bit different Uh, I, I think it was really fun match not my favorite of the two 
women's championship matches. So that's interesting. But I thought it was actually pretty solid. I think it was a good kind of notch on their championship belts between these two. I think that they had the excellent chemistry. Very little that was kind of like clunky or out of place. I thought the rest was really good. They jam-packed their time, which was, I think, about just under 12 minutes, which didn't really feel that way until I looked later and saw that. Mm-hmm. But I thought that the, the storytelling in here was perfect for the setup for, for the second match later. So what did y'all think about Bailey versus Asuka? Yeah, um, absolutely agree with you. I love that they started the card off with this match, obviously, considering that Asuka had two, uh, the duty of two matches on the night. And it's uh, one of those things looking back. I mean, we've seen this before with wrestlers performing double duty on big cards with people like Seth, sorry, Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, uh, Daniel Bryan did it at WrestleMania 30, Chris Jericho when he became the undisputed champion. And the point being, all these names are like the cream of the crop top wrestlers. So the fact that they're giving Asuka this chance to perform this match, I think, really shows that they really have a lot of faith in her to really carry two championship matches. And um, I mean, when it comes to Bailey, she's just, as you said, she's so smooth. She's about as reliable as it gets with a female worker. Um, you know, a lot of people always say with people like uh, Sasha Banks, sorry, that she gets injured often. She's reckless. Nia Jax, obviously reckless. I like to compare Bailey almost to a John Cena in the aspect of not that she was this eternal baby face, but that she's just this super reliable, always gets the job done in the ring just top level performer and when you put her in there with pretty much anyone you're going to get a great match and when you put her in there with Asuka who's one of if not the best wrestlers in the company you're going to get a great match and I do agree that this wasn't you know the best match I've ever seen but there were very little things wrong with it yeah I love what you said there about Bailey and honestly I think in this COVID era Bailey Sasha and Asuka have really carried basically almost every single show and uh asuka whether she's dancing down the ramp or hanging out in the ring kicking butt or if she's on commentary one of the best things ever she's just so versatile and you're right this puts a lot of faith in her from the company to say you're going to be in these two title matches they've pushed her really hard during this COVID era and i really like that and they've relied on on their two on their two of the four horsewomen uh in bailey and um Sasha. So I think this has been a beautiful night and showcase to kind of cap off this COVID era, which we're still in, by the way. I hate to break it to all y'all, but (laughs) we're still here. But I think that they've done a great job on this show, showcasing just how important these three female wrestlers are. Um, And Asuka is one of the best in the whole wide world. So you just have to love it. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I mean, as far as the storytelling aspect, the way, um, you know, they had Sasha interfere there at the end to set up mm-hmm. the later match and the way she ran in and roughed Asuka up at the end, it it really, you know, makes you wonder, oh, you know, is Asuka just going to lose both matches? Is she going to be able to pull it off? It gives you something to kind of to chew on there going on to the second match. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, I thought commentary did a great job, too, of kind of setting up what's going to happen later, you know. They always yeah. like to, Corey always likes to say, oh, her supposed best friend, Sasha Banks, right? He likes to sow that discord. Yeah. And uh, boy, did that come into play later. And we'll talk about that. But that match put a great taste in my mouth right off the bat, starting the show, nice and hot, great match. Then we go into this match. And I have to tell you, when this happened, 
that they said that they were making this match when they booked it. I was like, mm, I don't know about this. I like the Street Profits quite a bit. I'm not sure how I feel about Garza. And I'm not really sure how I feel about Andrade anymore either. I like Zelina. I think she does good for what she's supposed to do. But I think the best part of it for me, no lie, was having Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe on a commentary team. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> so that was exciting. He came out for that match, which I thought was super fun. This actually turned out better than I thought it was going to. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just was a little concerned how this was all going to kind of come together. But I actually think they did a good job. I think it was fun to kind of watch the Street Profits get better and better and better. And they're, like, so dominant as a tag team. It's fun to watch them perform. Like I said, not the biggest fan of Garza and Andrade myself. And this one for me was, if they don't win, so, like, they're splitting up now, right? Like, what is the point of this? They've been together, but they haven't won anything. So, for me, it was kind of one of those moments. Either we're going to win the titles here, and we're going to go forth with this, or they're going to break up. But I don't know if that's what we're going to do. So, it left a lot of questions at the close of this match, but I was really excited for the Street Profits. So, what did you guys think? Yeah, completely agree. And i got to start off, of course, with uh, that beautiful frog splash by Montez Ooh. Ford. He, yes. continues, he continues to make his case uh, for the most athletic guy on the roster title. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I completely agree. I think Gaza and Andrade are definitely on the path for a split, especially now after this loss. It's been a real slow burn uh, towards them splitting up. I always have enjoyed Andrade more as a singles guy. Um, mm. you know, and, and I think it was natural to kind of put him with Gaza and, and stick Zelina in the middle, who's the real star of that trio. Um, yeah. And you know, whenever a split between tag title holders happens, it's, it always kicks it up a notch. But I think because of Zelina, you know, without the titles, I think the split, you know, she'll provide the gas for that. Um, I always enjoy the Street Profits. You know, they're obviously extremely entertaining out of the ring and what they do in the ring is great. Um, I just don't know where they go from here. You know, like I said, they're they're obviously extremely entertaining as, as tag champions, as, you know, chasing the belts. uh Maybe more so out of the ring, obviously, with that whole series with the Viking Raiders. I mean, I couldn't get enough <laughs> of that week over week, no matter what they were doing. Um, you know, but who, you know, who knows where it goes from here? It was it was good, obviously, to see Montez Ford get some revenge against the guy that poisoned him. I don't think it would be good if uh, the poisoner gets to win, but uh, he got his revenge. Um, you know, maybe they have a uh, your favorite MVP in the Hurt Business feud in their mm. future. Maybe uh, Seth and Buddy go for the belts. It'll be interesting to see who steps up next to the Profits. Yeah, I, I I enjoy them holding the titles. I also like them chasing the titles. So it's kind of a catch-22 for me. I think either way, it's, it's great or bad. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I feel like... Yeah, they have the Viking Raiders that they can definitely rely on, and they're an excellent tag team. And Seth and Buddy would be very interesting going after the belts. And I I also think you're probably right that Lashley and Benjamin may be the two that go for those belts. Um, That seems like a logical place for them to go. But I guess my real question at the end, where the heck is Bianca Belair? And why do I care about anybody else? Right. They don't. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I do. I like the Street Profits quite a bit. But I want to know where she's at. Like, if someone poisoned my husband, I'd be all over them. <laughs> all oh, over them. <laughs> I don't know. I digress. <laughs> but speaking of fiery, feisty ladies, let's talk about this no DQ, loser leaves WWE match, Mandy Rose versus Sonya Deville. Now, as we know, in, in real life, 
outside of the ring here, uh, Sonya Deville went through something crazy and awful, and I'm so glad that she and everyone else are safe. And it seems like they had been um, putting that in to the storyline or, or saying or mentioning it, I guess, um, in WWE. So I kind of feel like, I don't want to say this was uh, predetermined, but <laughs> everything's predetermined. Yeah. But I mean, like, uh, obvious that Sonya was going to be the one to leave WWE as soon as she made that stipulation it kind of was like oh okay that's where we're going with this and you know that's great do what you need to do and uh, take that time to heal and do your business but this was another match that I like you was a little like "Mm, I don't know (laughs) I'm a little nervous I love Sonya Deville Sonya Deville to me looks like she's at the top of the game ready to challenge for some people to start going after folks in the women's division to make her way right to the top she seems like a natural for that spot. Her evolution, so to speak, from her debut to now is so stark. And I think she's really coming to her own. I think she's great in the ring. Um, that dragon sleeper, ooh, it's good. It's real good. And I think her and Mandy put on a really fierce, really competitive match. I was surprised. I gave this one like an A. It was so good. And I enjoyed it. And I don't really like Mandy Rose that much. So I was very, very impressed. What about you? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, considering this feud started off as basically a, a supplement to the original Otis versus Dolph Ziggler feud back at WrestleMania, where Mandy was basically a side piece, and then um, Sonya basically just teamed up with Dolph, and that whole thing just ran its course. And then we really didn't see this feud begin until Sonya started delivering these amazing promos, which for me, have pretty much carried the feud up until this point of her just pointing out the fact that she's always kind of been second best to Mandy Rose. She's always had to kind of be in the shadow of the golden goddess. And it really wasn't until now that she's come out and just dominated, you know, dominated uh, her promos, her the way she would run out and smear lipstick on Mandy Rose. Like all that stuff was like, wow, this is great. You know, this is awesome. We don't need Otis and Dolph Ziggler like these these ladies can do this on their own. And um, as you said, once the match came around, they they beat the crap out of each other. I mean, there were a lot of hard hits in there. There were a lot of a lot of knees in there towards the end. And uh, it, I mean, I really enjoyed it. It was one of those things where it wasn't until after the pay-per-view that I looked back and saw that of the seven main card matches, three of them were women's matches. And I never once thought that any of them felt like filler, that any of them felt like they didn't deserve to be on the main card. As you said, with the Oscar uh, Bailey match, that was over 10 minutes. I think all the women's matches got between 10 and 12 minutes and they all put on amazing performances. Yeah. And that's actually funny that you say that because I was thinking the same thing about this match before we started recording. And I was thinking, man, how long was that? Cause it felt like the perfect amount of time for, for their feud. And it was just over 10 minutes And that seems like a really short time, but they got a lot done in those 10 minutes. And I think you're really right about Sonya. I think the way that she carried this feud with her promo skills and the unhingedness that she brought to it uh, with her look, it just kind of all came together. And I think her taking a a step back is going to make us miss her more. So when she comes back at the Royal Rumble, I think... That maybe, that might be my guess. 
I mean, would be even, cool. Even watching this match, it it felt like more of the first chapter to a longer feud rather than this being the definitive conclusion. As you mentioned, mm. there's there's reasons outside the ring that we have to kind of put the brakes on it right now. But obviously, if they had had a shave your head stipulation, that would have been the first match. The second match would have been something crazier and. It would have gone on. So, as you said, if whenever Sonya comes back, I'm I'm going to be excited for it. I'm going to be really excited for it, and I agree. And I think she can slot herself right into the top spot pretty much right away. And even if they wanted to revisit the feud with Mandy, they could. That's something that they could pick up whenever they want to. And I think they put themselves in a great position for that. Yeah, I'm interested now to see what they kind of do with Mandy, whether she goes forward on SmackDown as kind of being this babyface top women's uh, wrestler or like competitor, or if she goes back to kind of being Otis's valet, because he's lost a considerable amount of momentum since he won. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't I mean, he obviously came out and they had their little uh, caterpillar dance off or whatever when she won her match. But I was like, oh, yeah, Otis, I, I forgot about this guy. I kind of want to see Mandy go on and do her thing. I almost feel like he's kind of pulling her down now. It's So it'll be interesting to see where they go with that one. Which is so weird because he's Mr. Money in the Bank. So, like, you'd think it'd be a bigger deal, and it's not. So I'm kind of curious as to why they're doing it that way. But maybe now that, that this is, you know, Mandy won, and maybe she'll be in a better position for her, you know, her own career now, maybe they can start to kind of pick up the Otis uh, storyline because we've had several pay-per-views, and I feel like – there hasn't really been really much mention of the briefcase. No, never I, once during the match. It's kind of weird. I think he might cash in once. That, yeah, not even commentary, right? It's just weird. Just a we- It was weird. But speaking of, of weird, Seth Rollins is weird. I don't know how I feel about this gimmick, and I'm very curious as to your thoughts about it. I, I kind of just would like him to go away. Um, but this match... Very interested to see how this was going to go. I like that emotional storytelling, right? So you you got that sinister, weird Seth Rollins, right? Putting a beat down on Ray's son, and you and you get so much of that connection and draw into that. And I think they did that very well in the build and also in this match. And, you know, the whole thing of Dominic asking his dad not to interfere and all of that cool stuff. It just added so much to that story. So when this actually happened, I was like, okay, well, how is this kid going to go? Like, I'm, I'm very curious. He's so tall. He's lean. He looks like he knows what he's doing, sort of, for being such a young age. And obviously his dad's Rey Mysterio, so you have to think that he's trained somewhat with the guy, right? So got to be something cool. This turned out to be... One of my favorite matches of the night, surprisingly. As much as I don't like Seth Rollins' character, I like Seth Rollins in the ring. And I thought that he did an excellent job with Dominic. And being so dominant throughout the entire match, letting him, you know, Dominic get some offense. And of course, we got our 619 pop. And I, I really think it was more the story for me than the match, but I thought the match was so good for Dominic to make his debut against Seth Rollins of all people, right? This is who your debut matches against at a big pay-per-view as an official WWE superstar. This is a huge moment for him, for his dad and his family. 
as the next generation of Mysterio steps into the ring. I thought that this was so cool. And I think something I won't forget for a while was seeing Ray handcuffed to the rope, reaching out for Dominic while Seth taunted him. Just some of those moments sometimes the WWE gets so right. So Dominic versus Seth Rollins, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, in my opinion, it was the overall quote unquote best match of the night, you know, from a story perspective, athleticism on both sides, entertainment value. I mean, from Seth walking out in Ray's Halloween Havoc gear from the WCW days. I mean, yes. I was I was locked into it. Um, and yeah, you know, kudos to Dominic, you know, showing up on his first match, first night, looking like a guy who belongs. Of course, that that sliding 619 on the apron was great. And uh, the Uncle Eddie frog splash, you know, stick yep. out. But um, yeah, in a pretty lengthy match, I think it may have ended up being the longest one of the night. Um, Dominic's cardio held up. His charisma was off the charts. Uh, and, you know, like you said, he obviously asked Ray to stay out of it, but he stayed out as long as he could until uh, Buddy Murphy got involved and all bets were off. Um, when Mrs. Mysterio came out and the Messiah and his disciples started to make their way up the ramp, I thought we might see, uh, you know, a truly sadistic Seth. Um, but it was really cool to see Dominic come roaring back and, and make that save. That was a big highlight of it. And, you know, like you said, just enough was done uh, to legitimize Dominic, you know, at least for a night, um, you know, while Rollins, of course, kicked it into another gear to to ultimately get the win and keep his momentum going. Um, the biggest thing, you know, for me, the two questions coming out of it is, of course, where does Seth go next? You know, maybe Ray steps up uh, for a match against Seth for uh, for honor in his eye. Um, but, you know, the other one is where does Dominic go? You know, I still would very much like to see some sort of a heel turn from him, you know, maybe joining the disciples of Rollins himself and, and leading to a father versus son retirement match for for Ray. But, um, you know, like I said, overall, I, I thought it was uh, the most entertaining match of the night. And, and I'm excited to see where both of the guys go from here. Yeah, I think that's a very good point right there. What happens now? Obviously, with payback in one week, you have to imagine something's coming down the pike. Right. Is it going to be Ray versus Seth for payback for his son? Or does Dominic get his comeuppance and revenge at payback? And does Ray get involved here? And then maybe that sows some discord between father and son. And then maybe eventually we might get that heel turn that you've, you've mentioned. That could be cool. I think it would be really interesting to kind of see where he would be. And it puts Dominic in a good spot, right? He's young and new and being in a group with Seth Rollins, I don't think would be a necessarily a mistake. I think that would be a really cool and interesting angle. And I mean, who in the business can say that they had their retirement match against their son? I mean, that's pretty cool. Right. <laughs> so we'll see if that happens. Maybe you're right. I don't know. But, but I think the better thing is, is what you said at the end there, what happens now, where are we going? I assume on raw, we will get those answers at time of recording. Uh, we, it's before Raw, so we don't know yet, <laughs> but I'm assuming we will since we have one week and we'll kind of see what they bring. But it was a great first in-ring performance. He had a lot of pressure on him and I thought he did really well. So what a great story Definitely. between all of them, you know? Definitely. And that leads us into my match of the night, the Raw Women's Championship match, Asuka versus Sasha Banks. Holy crap. <laughs> this match was so hard-hitting and nasty and brutal from top to bottom. It was so good. 
Now, Sasha and Asuka also have a history. They look great together. I just thought something about this match had that little extra seasoning to give it that kick forward over her match with Bailey. Something Mm -hmm. about the way Banks was with Asuka and Asuka with her, it just had that extra oomph that made it super special. It was a smart match, really cool psychology and counter moves. Um, The story, of course, was there, but it felt more to me like we're just going to wrestle now and we're going to see who's top dog. Is it the Empress or is it the boss? That's how that felt to me. Whereas Bailey was like, I'm just going to do whatever I need to do to beat you. This one felt more like a test. So I thought that was really cool. There was a nasty, nasty DDT when she jumped off the um, the steps, caught Banks and dropped her down. Mm-hmm. And then an even nastier power bomb off the apron onto the floor. Oh, my God yeah. almighty. Wildness off. in this match. It like got me out of my chair excited. That's the kind of women's match I want to see. And actually, any match in general. If you can get me that into it, I'm here. This was super fun. But the story that picked up from the Bailey match was Sasha in the Asuka lock calling for Bailey. And what does Bailey do? Not a damn thing. And the boss loses, and Asuka becomes your new Raw Women's Champion. Oh boy. Here we go. <laughs> What do we think about this one? Yeah, I mean, as he said, uh, this match was just hard hitting from the get go. I think Sasha just charged her right out the gate, went after her leg. And from there on, they were just countering each other, kicking each other, powerbombing, DDTing, just whatever to, as you said, try to put the other person away. Whereas the Bailey match was nice and smooth. This was just this was a fight. You know, this was a brawl. And these two girls brought it. And I agree with you. This was. If not the match of the night, I mean, it was one of definitely the most entertaining matches of the night because in 12 minutes, these girls just went nonstop, and I had a blast the whole time. And as you said, the the ending of that match was just, the storytelling was beautiful, the way it called back to the first match, the way you had Sasha calling for Bailey and Bailey not being there, and then Sasha sitting there with just her one belt looking all sad, and yeah, you got to wonder where they go from here. And it's one of those things where, before the match, we had thought either Bailey or Sasha was going to lose one of their belts. We just couldn't figure out which one we actually thought Bailey would. But mm. looking at it now, it's it makes so much more sense for Sasha to lose her title because this lets Asuka take the Raw Women's Championship, go to Raw where she has an unfinished feud with Nia Jax. Uh, their last pay-per-view match, I think, ended in a countout, which was kind of weird. Uh, she has Shayna Baszler over there. She has Bianca Belair over there, as you mentioned. So... A lot of potential challengers over there, whereas now Sasha can come over to SmackDown, possibly lose the women's tag team titles and get this feud kicked off with Bayley for the SmackDown Women's Championship that we've all been waiting five years for since NXT Brooklyn. Yeah, that's that's it right there. That's the story of, of where they're ultimately going to. And I and I hope they draw it out. I hope they make yeah. us wait. And it gets even more tantalizing because they've been teasing it and then they pull it back and then they tease it again and then they pull it back. And now they teased it here with Sasha losing. And I I do feel badly for her. Every time she wins a championship, she can never successfully defend it. And that's a huge bummer. But it's a tough pill, right? It's a tough (laughs) pill to swallow for her. But Asuka getting this championship, like you said, perfectly makes sense, right? 
so yeah. much more for her to do over there on Raw. Whereas now Sasha and Bailey can defend the tag titles. Bailey can continue to be annoying, and <laughs> Sasha can start to, you know, sow those seeds even deeper of that discord between them. And we finally will get that match that we've been waiting for. And boy, oh boy, if that's anything like that one in Brooklyn, I don't know how we can ever be upset about that. I do hope down the line that Sasha is the one to dethrone Bailey in the end. Mm-hmm. I think it would just be so sweet. <laughs> oh, absolutely. If, if they do have that match, hopefully they're able to get Izzy in the stands, if that's at all possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> So, banger of a women's match leads into another banger, which I'm sad it didn't main event, but, like, I get why. Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. Man, Randy Orton has been on fire since the Royal Rumble. It's just gotten better and better and better with him. Those promos... That shit talking to Edge, that whole feud with Edge, it's just, I don't know. When Randy Orton puts his effort in, like truly puts it in, it's top-notch stuff. It's It's hard to compete against that. And boy, did he come out sinister and truly viperish here, especially after what he did to Ric Flair. Ric Flair, man. (laughs) Oh, God, so nasty, Randy. Terrible, but like great, but terrible. So going into this one, I thought this was a great foil for Drew. What a great spot for them both. And I thought this was really, really fun. I was so excited to watch this match. What I loved the most was the methodical, slow, menacing pace. Then it picked up just at the right moments when it needed to get a little more brutal and needed to get a little faster, and then they'd pull it back. Randy Orton has excellent pacing in the match, and I thought he and Drew just just beautifully choreographed that whole thing to give us an absolute slapper of a main uh, co-main, if you will, event for the title. Um, it almost felt like Randy could win it, which is what I love. I love when they make me believe that someone else could take the title away. That's how you know you have a good matchup and you have two good people that are they're about to face off. So, as we know, Drew ends up retaining here. What a great spot. It was physical, intense, and, and what you want out of a championship match, at least what I want. So, loved it. And, and by the time this match happened in the show, I just was like, I can't believe how much I'm enjoying this. Like, this is really good. <laughs> so, McIntyre Orton, what do we think, boys? So it was interesting because last week WWE put out, you know, an Instagram poll asking who was Mr. SummerSlam. And and in my opinion, especially after last night, you know, Randy Orton is Mr. SummerSlam to me. You know, obviously the case can be made for the likes of John Cena, maybe The Rock. But year over year, Randy Orton has consistently been a part of and put on great SummerSlam matches. Um on the other side, you know, I've really liked Drew's championship matches. You know, they haven't really been the standard get beat down for 75% of the time and then, you know, rally for the win at the end. Mm-hmm. Like you saw last night, both guys dished out 50% of the punishment. Um, I, too, I was pulling really hard for Randy to win this one because I've also I've loved the return of the legend killer. You know, from the Royal Rumble through WrestleMania to now, 
you know, I thought it was finally time for that 14th reign. You know, he was taking out all these legends again. He, you know, took out Ric Flair, RIP in peace, Ric Flair's nether regions. Um, But what I didn't see coming and I ended up finding pretty cool about the match and will probably open the door to a rematch is that neither guy hit their finisher. There wasn't one finisher successfully completed in the match. And, you know, like we said, Drew won it with a roll up. And I can easily see, you know, again, at the time of taping right before Raw, you know, I would love to see Randy cutting one of his very, very improved promos year over year tonight about how if he hit the RKO, things would have been different. And, you know, of course, with payback six days away, we we just might see that. Oh, I'm here for it, because what could be better cinematically? And if you're a fan of Randy Orton, <laughs> to watch him dismantle Drew and hold that championship up at, uh, at payback. Holy shit. I'd love that it. would be crazy. You could just see the smile on his face and Randy Orton coming in and out every Monday, laying people out. It's hard to hate that. Not that I want Drew's reign to be cut short. I really like Drew as a champion, but there's something super sweet about a super evil Viper. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's good, good stuff. And, uh, wow, what a what a great match. And for, you know, your, your quote-unquote major championship. Because I don't really see the Universal Championship as quite the same. Right. But they're trying, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Which is where my skepticism came in for this. So, at the horror show, whatever that was, which was an actual horror show did not like that at all that pay-per-view woof so they had this match cinematic madness and braun went into the lake and turned out weirdo and turned heel sort of kind of and messed with alexa bliss which is rude and bray now the fiend coming out right again and now they're gonna have this match and i was a little nervous about it because i didn't really like the last one but this one was more, you know, in the ring. So I'm like, all right, let, let's see how it's going to turn out. I honestly thought we were going to see Sister Abigail. I thought we were going to see some interesting, fun stuff with Alexa because of that. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing with that. Okay. So I'm watching this match go on, and I'm a little confused about it. Got to be honest with you. Um, there were some good spots and some fun. But mostly the ending, I was like, oh, oh we're done. Oh, oh, okay, it's over. What, what? How? It was 12 minutes. And I'm over here like, I'm sorry, what's happening? Why is this match so short? Why did it end that way? This was really weird. I just didn't really see it as like that was the time it was going to end, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I know they expores, uh, 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 sorry, exposed the wood. I get that. Okay, so we plant him with some Sister Abigails. But, like, I didn't think the match was going to be over. So when he counted the one, two, three, I was like, huh? <laughs> He's the monster among men's out because of that? Okay. And that's my problem with Bronson's booking, right? They built him up to be this an unstoppable, like, unmovable force, and psh, nothing ever happens. Okay. So cool. Fiend got the belt. Great. I'm excited about that. So the match was bit. The ending, though. The ending, though. So all of a sudden you see this man in black running up and you see a spear. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's Roman Reigns, who I was shocked to see back. And that was their tagline, right? You won't see it coming. 
Yep. I had a feeling it might be him. But, like, you know, with his health issues and COVID, I was thinking, well, maybe he'll stay away a little longer. Right. Oh, no. He came back, fresh white and teeth, slim and trim <laughs> and mean, and wearing this great shirt. And he starts saying, you're a freaking a mask, and I run this bitch. And, like, what? <laughs> it was a different Roman that we've been clamoring for, as you said at the top of this show. Fiend Strowman and ultimately the ending with Roman returning. What do we think? Yeah, I mean, that that Roman ending, it was, we had actually tried to make a little you'll never see it coming prediction. We thought a, a healed John Cena would return and be the leader of Retribution, but that was a little too far-fetched. But uh, we definitely <laughs> didn't see uh, a Roman coming back, as you said, because of health issues, whatever. But I was just blown away by that. Um, as you said, the match was ho-hum. Even coming into it, the uh, the whole inclusion of Alexa was just so, like, is this because of Team Little Big, or is she supposed to be Sister Abigail? Like, what kind of angle yeah. are they going with? I just, it, it seemed like that didn't really have anything going on. Honestly, when the match started with Strowman blowing over the Fiend through a barricade, then choke slamming him onto the announce table, hitting him with the stairs, and then hitting him with a power slam, and the Fiend kicked out at one, I was like, oh, okay, the Fiend is going to win this match. Thank God. Right. And honestly, when he won, as ho-hum as it was when he did get that pinfall, as you said, I was just happy that it seemed like he finally restored things back to February before the Super Showdown when Goldberg won the championship off the Fiend that he never should have won. And then Braun took it off Goldberg at WrestleMania. And it just that whole period, I think, just should have never happened. And I think that Roman's return can just expunge all that. And we can just pretend now that the Fiend is back where he should have been and Roman is back where he is now. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one, for sure. That Goldberg thing is like a blip on the radar I'd like to erase, for sure. And I feel like a lot of us feel that same exact way as you just described. So, mm -hmm. yes, please. I think never should have lost that title in the first place. No, thank you. But, you know, a lot has to be said, too, about Braun. Braun stepped up into the Roman Reigns spot, right? Because when COVID happened, Roman had to go for health concerns, obviously. And... Um, you know, Braun stepped into to that spot, if you will. And I just feel like the, that match was just kind of like, okay, Roman's back, so you can go away now. You know? Mm -hmm. So that was a little, like, ooh, in the booking. Yeah. So well, the match, bleh. But Roman, I'm glad he's back. Um, I think if they're going to play him like they're starting to show us with that whole wreck everyone and leave motto, okay, woo. Getting a little hot, getting a little heelish, a little bit heelish. Wouldn't say full heel, but heelish. Uh, I think it could be a very interesting. So I'm curious to see where Fiend versus Roman is going to go, and I kind of hope they give it time to breathe and have a really good story. Because I feel like it'd be wasted if it was too soon. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for as it seems right now, Roman has the the fans on his side. He, if he is a heel. Um, I guess the fiend is obviously a baby face, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how they go about this feud. Yeah, for sure. SmackDown will be very interesting this week to kind of see how they play that all out it's as we move towards payback. For sure. Yeah, I really agree. I think they actually set themselves up as we're winding down here. I think they sent themselves up for this uh, very interesting TV programming moving forward after SummerSlam. How do you guys feel about that? Do you think they put themselves in a good position or? 
Uh, you mean like regarding payback next weekend? So soon? yeah, yeah. I mean that's a a wild one. Even uh, like Bailey and Sasha apparently have a, a women's tag team title defense. I think so that they could be planting more seeds for their dissension. I haven't looked too much into the later cards going on, but um, it seems like they definitely have a few things lined up going forward. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to, even beyond payback, just to kind of see how they're going to build some of these new programs. This is just very quick, so I'm hoping they give us some good stuff, but nothing crazy um, as we move forward here. But, it, you know, I haven't been watching weekly WWE because um, I haven't really liked a lot of it. But now I might tune in because I'm kind of interested in the in the seeds and the and the planting and the gardening <laughs> that they've done with all of these new and old programs. But it's got a fresh face on it, and I'm excited for that. So that was SummerSlam 2020 in the books after a very busy weekend of wrestling with TakeOver and GCW shows and BLP and Black Wrestlers Matter and all, all sorts of stuff. So as we move forward, guys... I would love to have you back for a future. If you would l- come and, and grace me with your presence in the castle, you're welcome back at any time. And I want to thank you so much for sharing the airwaves with me today to review SummerSlam. So would love for you guys to tell everyone where they can find you and all your awesome stuff that you do. With yeah, that so uh, um, <laughs> we are uh, on a COVID hiatus with uh, the actual show with Meet Wednesday, but Keeping up the, the the Twitter game going strong. It's at Meets and Tweets. That's Meets, the letter N, Tweets. You know, uh, nice and simple. It's just uh, pictures of Meets and thoughts on the day. But, uh, yeah, no, we've uh, we've really enjoyed this. We are forever grateful for uh, the Queen allowing us into her court and uh, finding out that we're uh, not, you know, we're leaving with our heads. You know, we please the Queen. We, ser- <laughs> we serve at the Queen's pleasure. <laughs> no beheading today, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah, you're welcome. So I appreciate you guys so very much for coming on the show. Like I said, you're welcome back anytime. Everybody, I've linked to, of course, in the tweet for this episode and in the episode description so you can go hang out and see what all is going on with meets and tweets. And hopefully this COVID hiatus won't last too long because I like listening to your stuff. So we'll, we'll hope the Rona uh, eases up for many reasons, but for that too. (laughs) So thanks again, boys. Such a fun time. And for all y'all listening, enjoy the rest of your day and continue to be kind to one another. Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important.